Welcome to the MyPillow 2.0 commercial. Miss Makeup. Well, you look good. And action. You're sleeping even better. We've got the best pillow ever. My Pillow 2.0. He's a great neighbor, huh? Good. Cut. We got it. Welcome to the set of the My Pillow 2.0, the most amazing pillow in history. That new technology is still the My Pillow's patented fill, and now we have new technology we didn't have back when I invented My Pillow. That's going to help you sleep. It's absolutely amazing, and you're the first ones that can check it out. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code on your screen, and we brought back the buy one get one free. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is Americans Conversation. So today we have Jeremy Hammond. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Um, as a journalist, you know, I wanted to have you on because you've been in this space covering vaccinations and just the medical side uh, for a long, for a longer time than I have covering, you know, COVID in the last three years. And I wanted to ask you about the unintended consequences now with everything happening around COVID uh, and how parents are now beginning to wonder if they should vaccinate their kids. I mean, I don't think that's what Big Pharma was intending to do, and I don't think that that's what the FDA, CDC intended to do. But it seems that that, that the space is now widening, and I'm hearing more conversations about that. Yeah, I think actually there's a bit of panic on the part of the uh, you know the public vaccine policy advocates um, because of the you know there there was recent polls showing that. Uh, support for vaccine mandates, like talking about childhood, you know, the, the school mandates mm -hmm. <clears throat> has, you know, um, significantly been reduced, whereas, uh, you know, conversely, um, support for informed consent has, has risen significantly. In other words, more people are opposed to mandates and think that parents should have the right to choose um, which vaccines and whether to, to, to get vaccines for their children and, and the timing of them and everything, you know, as far as you know, each child is different. Every every right. individual has different risk of the disease. Every individual child has a different risk of being injured by the vaccine. And so this idea that government bureaucrats and state capitals or Washington, D.C. can do a risk benefit analysis meaningfully for the entire childhood population <clears throat> and then to forcibly impose that, uh, you know, that judgment on all children, regardless of individual risk, is absolutely insane and downright criminal. And it's archaic, it's barbaric, and it needs to end. And I think more and more people are awakening um, to the realization that, yeah, the right to informed consent is really important. Um, and it's not in the interests of our children's health to, you know, to impose this, you know, 72 plus dose regimen on them, you know, the CDC, the CDC's um, routine childhood vaccine schedule. Um, these days, by the time children reach 18 years of age, it's, uh, it's 72 plus doses. Um, and so I, I think what's happened is the extremity 
that we saw in terms of the authoritarianism mm -hmm. um, from the lockdowns, the mask mandates, and then trying to force ultimately um, the, the, the end game of the lockdowns was coerced mass vaccination. Um, and I think they really overplayed their hand in terms of the extremities that they went to to try to uh, force the vaccine on people. And also just the way that this, the vaccines, the COVID-19 vaccines were sold to the public on the basis of blatant lies that, that now in hindsight, everyone can see was a total lie. Because of course, if we, if we go back and remember, and we don't allow those fact checkers to gaslight us, we can remember how we were told repeatedly over and over. It was an incessant message from the government and the media and the, in the entire public health establishment that these vaccines would be the, the way out of the pandemic because two doses would induce durable sterilizing immunity that would end transmission. Which, which uh, it didn't. And then they, they later came clean and said that they didn't even taste, they didn't even test for the, for the transmissibility. I mean, Co correct. It, it, and it seems so crazy because they, they, they know that their colleagues are selling this message. And I put, you know, I'm putting Fauci in bed with, you know, the farmers because that was his message, but he had to have known that that was never tested for that. That's what makes this, 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 it's almost like a twilight zone. Mm -hmm. And then the question comes up, did they really think that they were going to get away with this? They must have because they did. They, they did. I mean, the lies were so brazen. I mean, it just isn't one example jumping into my mind at this very moment, um, you know, like healthcare uh, organizations here in Michigan would, would put out, you know, like newsletters and things telling patients how uh, the, the new COVID-19 vaccines, you know, talking back like right, right after the rollout of the vaccines, the first emergency use authorizations, telling people that, you know, the, these new vaccines were the, the path to herd immunity and everyone needs to get the shots, not for themselves, but to protect their loved ones because it will end transmission uh, 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 and, you know, bring about herd immunity. And I, I emailed, um, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Monson or McLaren to the, to the healthcare providers up here in Michigan. Um, and I, I emailed them, I sent them an email and I said, you, why are you um, sending out this misinformation? And I said, you should know better than that because if you look in the uh, FDA's um, documents for providers and, and, and recipients, it states right in there that the vaccines were never tested to determine whether uh, they they prevent infection and transmission, it wasn't an out, a measured did outcome they, of the trial. They, they, they said that right you? in the FDA document. Did they answer you? Uh, I don't believe I had, ever had a reply. I, and that's just one instance. I, I was contacting um, them, both Munson and McLaren, on, on various points uh, fairly frequently because they were just spreading such brazen misinformation. So it goes right on, right on from the top down. You know, you have the the FDA and the CDC and the government. Um, kind of setting policies. Um, and then, of course, whatever the CDC says essentially becomes standard of care in, in the medical practice practices, mm -hmm. you know, what I, what I call the, the public health uh, establishment, otherwise known as the medical establishment. Um, and it's kind of essentially you have all essentially the entire public health establishment propagating government sanctioned disinformation. It is brazenly false. Well, it, it, it is. And it's it's it, I, I, I'm beginning to find it 
I, mean, I don't want to say amusing because there's, there's too many people that are hurt by this and, and people have committed suicide because of the vax injuries. And I mean, it's just, it's a very sad situation. But the fact that they're still pushing it at WHO, they're still pushing it at Davos. There, you know, we have the the New York quarantine regulation that's that's now. I mean, Bobby Ann Cox won that case back in July, and now you know the the, the governor of New York and the um, attorney general, even though the judge said this is unconstitutional, it doesn't follow due process. They are going. They're, they're in the process of appealing it. You know, and I'm thinking. Okay, so this is not a conspiracy. The quarantines is this is a regulation that Hochul is pushing forth, and this is 2023. And I'm thinking, why isn't every New Yorker outraged that anybody is even thinking of a health quarantine? Why do we have people saying in Connecticut? I just read yesterday. There's a law, there's a, a local, maybe a state rep or somebody in, but he's a politician in Connecticut pushing for kids can get vaccinations at the age of 12 without parental consent. And I'm thinking, you know, are these people really stupid? Are they, are they, is this somebody that's telling him, well, if we do this in New York, it'll be good. If we do this in Connecticut, it'll be good because if we win in one state, then we can win in another state. It's like the religious exemptions. First, it was California, then New York, then Maine. Then they tried it in, you know, New Jersey, but they lost and they tried it, you know, in, uh, they won in Connecticut. So I, I'm thinking, all right, we have the global stage, then we have the state stage. And then we're going to get down to the county stage at some point in time, too, because they're not stopping the manufacturing. They haven't pulled this stuff off the market, even though the evidence is right in front of them in terms of how many people have been hurt. But at what point do you think, Jeremy, that there's going to be a, a, a tide turning? Do you see it? Or is this going to be a long haul for for? Um, I, you know, I, there's a there's an, a noticeable shift and a dramatic shift. I mean, the tide has in some ways turned, I think. Um, I do think we have a long haul ahead of us. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're a long way from where we need to be in terms of public awareness. Mm -hmm. But there's just been there has been just like a, an enormous awakening. We're not there yet. We have a long way to go. But but it's been dramatic. I mean, just there's a, a lot of points, you know, you can look at pre-pandemic and, and now um, in terms of just Tell me about the pre-pandemic because I didn't start covering the space, you know, COVID mm -hmm. vaccinations until until COVID hit in mm -hmm. 2020. What do you see? I mean, pre-COVID versus now. Well, it just the knowledge about matters related to vaccinations, you, to, to immunity. You know, for example, um, pre-pandemic, if you talked about the concept of natural herd immunity, as opposed to vaccine-induced herd immunity. It was like you were some kind of tinfoil hat wearing, you know, a nutcase. It, whereas now, I mean, everyone knows that there is such a thing as natural herd immunity. I mean, it's such a basic epidemiological concept that it was built into the lockdowners' own, own models, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's more awareness of this, that, yeah, there's this thing of called natural immunity. The, the superiority of natural immunity is now, you know, like a topic of discussion in the mainstream discourse and how the vaccines... You can't even come close to matching the effectiveness of natural immunity conferred by infection. Um, you know, things like uh, the fact that antibodies don't equal immunity. 
And mm. this is, you know, it's a little humorous because, you know, throughout the summer of 2020, as the vaccines were in development and then as they rolled out, we were constantly told about the need for antibodies, right? And, and in fact, throughout the summer of 2020, there were, there were the headlines kept coming out about how people were losing their immunity because antibodies, after reaching peak levels, after the acute phase of infection, rapidly waned in, in recovered individuals. And so that showed that they were losing their immunity. This was, of course, utter nonsense. It's completely normal for this to occur. In fact, your, your blood would be a thick sludge if this didn't occur. If after every viral infection, you didn't, you're, you, you know, and you have a peak level of antibodies and if it, they didn't, you know, rapidly wane after that peak, your blood would be this thick sludge. And it's totally normal. And, and, and what studies later showed, um, you know, for as long as observations were being made, was that the persistence of neutralizing antibodies in the blood um, was great among people who had recovered. It persisted at a low level, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, low, but sufficient. And e even if somebody did become reinfected, they had it, 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 infection induced long term immunological memory so that they can rapidly reproduce, uh, you know, high affinity antibodies um, without the immune system having to relearn how to generate effective antibodies, right? Um, and so, of course, none of this, and, and then, of course, there's cellular immunity, which is even more important right. than antibodies for uh, protection against severe disease. Uh, and so, But none of this was talked about, you know, throughout 2020 no, and into 2021. It was all about antibodies. Um, and, and, but then, you know, ironically, later on, as, as people began to be, become aware of all the data showing that the vaccines did not prevent infection and transmission, suddenly there was this dramatic shift in the mainstream narrative of, of oh but but don't worry about it because you have cellular immunity and the vaccines do induce cellular immunity too and that's going to protect you from severe disease and suddenly the public got this education about this thing called cellular <laughs> immunity and t-cells well you know I, I think i think a lot of it a lot of the, the the narratives when they did shift, I mean, I kept on thinking, well, you know, make up your mind. It's either one way or the other. It, 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 every Everything was pivoting all over the place. And it was laying confusion on people who were either ignorant or unconscious. Um, but, you know, if you just listen to Fauci, he was like a walking piece of evidence. Because there was nothing, there was, and there was nothing that was coming out of his mouth that was consistent. And then when he would be caught on it, he would say, "Well, that's science." And I'm thinking to myself, "Does he really think that everybody is this stupid?" But again, it's the arrogance. It's the arrogance of disrupting people's lives. I think is what what threw me because I, I you know, I haven't seen. I, I've been, you know, I've traveled a lot internationally, and I've seen what happens in third world countries and, and you know, societies that are, that are um, oppressive. And I was surprised when I saw it happening in the United States. I was very surprised, you know, I, I, and, I, and I was surprised what happened in Australia and because I thought the Australians would stand up first. I, I just, you know, that down and under uh, swagger that they have, you know, but thank God for the Canadians. I mean, the Canadians who were kind of laid back when, when they had the convoy. You know, and I thought that was great. But, you know, my head snapped as a journalist when Freeland froze the bank accounts. I thought I thought every, I thought every I thought every journalist in the Western world would have woken up at that point in time. But they didn't. 
I mean, that's draconian well, for something and it, like it, that to happen. Think, you would think journalists would be the first to, uh, you know, stand up and oppose censorship. But instead, we've seen the mainstream media absolutely being the hardest pushers for censorship. It's, it is surprising because I grew up in legacy media. I worked for four networks. And so I, I, am, I am quite surprised uh, that they're going along with it, that they're involved with it. Um, you know, the, the, the breaks my heart when I think of what, what has happened with the BBC, you know, Reuters, AP. I, I mean, this is this is lunacy and they know better. That, that, that's what I know. I know that they know better than this. And I and I don't understand why they're going along with it. Um, you know, it's easy to say, well, they must be getting paid for it because of the U.S. government, you know, tossed out a billion dollars. But at the same for, you know, for projects. Um, it, it, but it, there's there's something that's ultimately sinister uh, about what is going on with the legacy media. And I don't care whether it's because they, they see alternative media as being competitors. None of the, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's not, that's not how you play the game because when you need to have people who are willing to take the risk and tell the truth. And that's what, that's what makes me sad is I know that there are, there are people in the legacy media that would like to speak out, but they can't because of their jobs. And right. that's and so this is this goes up to the editor's level. It goes up to the boardroom level, mm -hmm. and then they have to basically say, "Why are they doing this?" Yeah, there probably are journalists who work for mainstream media corporations who um, would like to to speak out and speak the truth and and do do their jobs. But I think mm -hmm. they're prevented from being able to do their jobs due to being employed by these corporations that have kind of uh, an agenda in terms of setting the narrative and then making sure that in the mainstream discourse, the, you know, there's, there's limited room for dissent and debate and differing viewpoints. Well, it's, it's not so much, it's, you don't, it's not that you have to have an argument in a newsroom. We have arguments in newsrooms all the time, you know, the way that the editor wants to, wants to slice a documentary or something like that. I mean, that, that's, that's normal. But there, but but the the thing that that I realized when I wanted to take on this story and really get into the investigative side of it, I had to look for the evidence, and the evidence was vax injured. The fact that legacy media is not interviewing vax injured is is ultimately. I mean, I've been doing this since 2021, finding the people who who've been injured, and when I've and, and the fact that nobody's doing that is like the hugest red flag to me because under normal conditions, everybody would be beating down the door to do that. But nobody's putting the vax injured, you know, nobody's doing a big documentary. Now, Tucker has, I, I shouldn't say that. Tucker has had people on, and, and but his mantra is, is, is his notion is more, is more towards, you know, people who are denied getting uh, an operation because they haven't been vaccinated. But the vax injured, are, it, th this is serious stuff. I mean, th these people have multiple injuries. This long term, this is not, you know, they don't know what their day is going to be when they wake up. That's terrifying. Yeah, although, you know, media blackout about vaccine injuries is something that goes way back to also <laughs> very much pre-pandemic. Um, because, of course, you know, with childhood vaccines, you know, that there are vaccine injuries, Um and, you know, like we have this with the whole thing about autism and the vaccine, the, the CDC claiming that vaccines do not cause autism, making a positive claim. In other words, claiming that the hypothesis has been tested 
and falsified, which is untrue. And I've got a, a, one of my more recent articles it goes into detail about why that's not true and why most of the studies actually you can you can make the argument that they were designed not to find an association. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they haven't done the right types of studies. <clears throat> and I, I go into detail about that in my article. Um, so it, there's there's long been denial of vaccine injuries, even though, you know, even though back in 1986, the U.S. government passed a law granting broad legal immunity to vaccine manufacturers precisely because they were going out of business due to vaccine injury lawsuits, particularly for uh, the DTP vaccine, the diphtheria, tetanus and wholesale pertussis vaccine, which was ultimately replaced with the acellular pertussis vaccine precisely because the DTP shot was so reactogenic. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. data, and, and which is still widely used in, in developed, developing countries. And the best science we have um, related to DTP, DTP's vac, uh, vaccine's effect on mortality shows that it's associated with an increased rate of childhood mortality. And so, it, you know, even though a vaccine might, and this is something, you know, like Fauci says, oh, well, you know, typically adverse events occur within a few weeks, maybe a couple of months of the vaccination. This is completely untrue. It's a long-term effects of vaccines, long-term detrimental effects of vaccines to consider. And to deny that is outright anti-science. And of course, Fauci claimed to be science incarnate on more than one occasion. Um, but he, you know, he would spout lies like this, just outright lies. In fact, there's a whole body of literature on, on it on, called, there's called non-specific effects which are like long-term unintended, unintended consequences of vaccination that might be beneficial or they might be detrimental. And the, the DTP vaccine is associated with a detrimental long-term uh, non-specific effect of an increased risk of childhood mortality. Um, so, you know, you know, like denial of these types of, you know, this is straight out of the medical literature, you know, when you, but if you can't even share medical literature, you know, you, you're at risk of being uh, censored just for sharing a scientific study, for example. Well, part, but part of the problem today is that we know that there are a lot of journals that are corrupt. I mean, if you yes. just if you just read the book Empire of Pain, which is about opiates and and Purdue and OxyContin, and then you you understand how you know Andrew Sackler and his two brothers, going back you know in, in, to the 1950s and 60s, corrupted the journals. And they basically were their PR departments for the drugs that they were manufacturing at their uh, at their dr drug company. So you know there are there are a lot of nuances here. People think because something's published in a, in a journal that th that makes it true. Now we have to question that because I know the pushback with some of my you know legacy mates. They'll say, "But Christine, this study says that," and I will tell explain to them. But th these guys are corrupt. So, the, 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 you know, it's, it's like when Lancet published that article in February of 2020 and said, no, it didn't happen at the, at the lab. None of them knew that for a fact. None yeah. of them knew that. And the, we later found out, you know, like nine months later, that Peter Daszak had orchestrated that, that article. I mean, right. it's, there's so much corruption around this to, to have the narrative that it's, it, I can see where it's hard for people to get into this, you know, as journalists. I mean, I didn't, I'm not a medical journalist. I'm, I'm not a science journalist. I'm a corruption journalist. So I, I, have, I have different parameters of the way of looking at this. Mm -hmm. But but this is, this is to the point where inside the industry itself, there are a lot of people that are lying about what's going on from the medical perspective and the scientific perspective. So how, how did you sift through this? I mean, 
was it harder for you for COVID than it was pre-COVID to, to look at this evidence? Or did you say, oh, here we go? Um, the difficulty was just the sheer amount of information and like just trying mm -hmm. to keep up with, you know, uh, you know, I was reading one of my major focuses was just understanding the immunology of SARS-CoV-2 infection versus vaccination. Um, so I was reading up on the immunology studies, you know, uh, of infection, you know, well before the vaccines were out. And so that was a major focus. Just keeping up with just that alone was like a full time right. job, <laughs> right. not to mention everything, every other aspect, you know, the lockdowns, the masks. Um, there's, there's so many different aspects, um, the harmful effects of the lockdowns, uh, in, in developing countries. And it's just, the list goes on of, you know, different areas of focus. Um, so it was just, just keeping up with the, the amount of information and, and trying to be able to make sense of it all. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's a challenge as, as, as a writer, you know, I have limited time to be able to produce content and, and inform people of what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just so much I wanted to say and I couldn't say it because I just there was, you know, there's only one of me and there's only 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and so having to make choices and I kind of ended up kind of focusing very heavily on the immunology aspect because I could see very early on how they were lying about natural immunity, outright lying that it's weak and short lived, which was false. And we knew it was false. It was by the time the vaccines rolled out, the CDC was still claiming that um, that that natural immunity appeared to be weak and short-lived incredible by that time they already knew that the, all the evidence indicated that that natural immunity number one neutralizing antibodies persisted for as long as observations had been made and that continues to be true today um and uh, even when it does disappear of course there's long-term immunological memory all the signs indicated um the, the induction of long-term bone marrow plasma cells um, mm -hmm. Back then, that was confirmed in May of 2021 that yes, infection does induce this, this, which is which is an immunological marker of long term immunity. Um, there was actually a, 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 I think it was Nature or Science, I don't remember which publication had an article reviewing that study. Um, and it, the headline was something like, you know, had COVID, you'll probably have antibodies for the rest, you know, for, for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know. Well, there's but there's there's also the alternative too is that people who who are getting the shots and getting numerous boosters that their immunity is going down. Yes, the boosters appear to have quite a detrimental effect. Mm -hmm. um, uh, where I, I've just recently there's been kind of a spate of articles. Um, number one, one thing that I've been talking about even before the vaccines were were available, I was warning about the risk of original antigenic sin, which is a, a phenomenon. Um, that I had is, become. What familiar. is that? Explain that to the public. Yeah, I had become familiar with it due to my research pre-pandemic into the flu shot. So it's a, it's a phenomenon where whereby your immune system becomes fixated. So you have an original uh, antigenic exposure. You know, you have you have experienced a viral infection for the first time, um, and <clears throat> your immune system, like influenza, and your immune system learns how to fight off that specific strain of the virus and later if you're infected with a different strain or a variant that you know somewhat escapes your immune response to the original antigen um you know the immune system is capable of adapting and kind of updating itself to become to generate more specific antibodies for instance so that are more specific to to the newly infecting variant um, but what can happen is that the the immune system can become fixated to continue generating a response against the originally infecting variant mm -hmm. at the opportunity cost of, you know, a, a, a more appropriate response 
to to the newly infecting one. And so this is called original antigenic sin. And so it's um. Uh, so basically, basically, basically you, 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 your, your body's not reacting to what's currently happening. The immune system is not updating to be, to be more yeah. specific to the newly infecting variant where with natural immunity to SARS-CoV-2, <laughs> um, it, it has been observed or the same, sometimes it's called immune imprinting, which is, I think is a, a lame term because immune imprinting is a good thing, right? You want the, your immune system to be imprinted, you know, this immune response to be imprinted. That's so, called so long-term memory. If you're not all drugged up and, and shot up that your, your body has natural immunity and can respond in, in real time to, yeah. to, the, to the virus that's happening. See, and that, that's something, you know, that's, that's a concept that, that people ought to take a look at because in our country, you know, there's there's something like 75 percent of people are on prescriptions. I mean, we are pharmaceutically addicted society here in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we are still the only and this goes to the 1980s. We're the only country in the world that now has uh, drug advertisements. On television, yet when the Internet has come on the scene in the last 25 years, you know, that that's a wild west for new advertisements as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, well, as I was saying, so the original antigenic sin, I want to finish that point that it has been seen with natural immunity in rare cases, you know, in, in cases that were like uh, very severe disease in cases where people have died, for example, from, mm -hmm. from infection. But generally speaking, this doesn't occur. Natural immunity is very uh, robust, broad and adaptive. So that if you were originally infected, you know, with one strain or one variant of SARS-CoV-2, and then later on you become infected with the, the most recent Omicron variant or whatever, the immune system does update and adapt to become more specific. Um, whereas what happens with the vaccines is that they really cause this um, fixation of the immune response. Um, and so- But you, but and, you have to ask the question, Jeremy. I mean, if you know this, if other journalists know this that are telling the truth, then what what's the purpose of all the what is the purpose of all these shots? I mean, is it really just to make people ill, to make it a reoccurring economic model, so that you know if the vaccines make you ill, if they break your immune system, if they hurt your immune system, if you get sick, that the, they there's other treatments for it? Because I have heard when I've asked people about this on the Fauci camp side, well, Christine, if there's a vaccine injury, we have treatment for that, and I said, well, I'm talking to the vaccine injured, and they're all multiple injured. You know, it's not just they have blood clots and you've got treatment for blood clots. This is this is neurological, vascular and cardio and vascular and neurological have not been recognized officially by the FDA to date. And if you don't recognize what's what's happening to these people, you can't even the doctors don't even know how to respond to it. I mean, what's the game here if if they know that this is exactly what's going on? Well, I mean, you could take kind of a, I, I think on one hand, there is a lot of maliciousness, you know, and conspiracy. But on the other hand, not there's conspiracy. just these institutionalized but it's, but it's, biases. But it's not conspiracy. This is, this is, this is evidence. These people are hurting. The numbers are mm -hmm. there. The, the, the comparisons between the last 30 years. So I, I mean, in terms of explaining why, um, why this goes on, like, how can it be like we have science saying one thing. And then you have policies that are completely anti-science right? Uh, and government recommendations that completely ignore what the science says. You like the CDC coming out and saying that the vaccines induce stronger immunity than, than infection back in August, 2021. 
complete brazen lie, completely ignored literally the entire body of, of scientific literature on natural immunity. Um, and of course, the CDC can't find any evidence to support that within the medical literature. So it does its own, it produces its own study that doesn't even compare natural versus vaccine induced immunity. And yet they take the study and then they proclaim that it shows that vac the vaccines do better. Complete nonsense, complete and utter nonsense. But of course, then the mainstream media ran with that. There was an AP article uh, coming out and saying, you know, uh, that 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 Twitter promote. I noticed it because it was on Twitter and Twitter is promoting this 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 news that, you know, that vaccines do better than natural immunity. And it was it was a link to an AP fact check article that cited one source, a CDC press release that was about a study that didn't even compare vaccine versus natural uh, natural immunity. Um, just complete nonsense. And so and so AP's message was that we ought to ignore literally all the non-CDC originating literature. <laughs> And just look yeah. at what the CDC only is saying, you know, and this and this is called fact checking. Well, we, we also know that the, a lot of that was coming out of the, you know, the TNI, the Trust News Initiative, which is nothing more than that. Right. And that's that's kind of what I mean when I when I refer to a conspiracy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they were colluding and it's not like a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy fact that we know that they, the news organizations have been colluding with government and big tech, including Google, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I was permanently banned from LinkedIn precisely for reporting how uh, the CDC's claim in August 2021 that, that the vaccines induced superior immunity um, was false at the time. We knew it was false at the time. And it was actually later falsified by the CDC's own data reported in January 2022 uh, um, yeah, as, as reported by the CDC's own researchers in its own journal. And I was banned from LinkedIn just for reporting that. Yeah, like reporting, it, what the, reporting what the CDC's own data showed. Got well, it, it, it goes to show, but th th think about these people that have these jobs. They actually get paid to ban other journalists, okay? Or they, they get banned. I mean, it, this is such a Twinkie generation of tech. You know, you have to sit there and think to yourself, they have they, they don't even have jobs that have value. That's that's how, how disdainful I think of what these people are doing because not getting the right information to people when something is going on like this and people are hurting and people are losing their jobs and they, you know they're losing their homes they don't have enough food to to, fit, to to put on the table for their kids i mean it's just it it's 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 such a despicable period of time for what has happened in the last three years i i can't wait for people to be held accountable for this yeah but on the other hand it's had had this like we kind of started out um, mentioning there's been kind of a, a backlash against mm -hmm. it, um, mm -hmm. where people are now aware of it, uh, you know, coming back again, as we were discussing, you know, there's been kind of this uh, increase in, in education, public awareness and education about matters of immunology, which is really helpful um, well, for, they, our they, side of things, for the pro-informed consent side. I think you're 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 actually you know you're you're more hopeful than I am. I, I don't know whether we're at that tipping point, you know. And when I think of the tipping point, I I, I go back to 1998, and this is during the Lewinsky scandal. A lot of people did not believe that Bill Clinton would do what he ultimately was accused of doing, but when they got to August of 1998 with the blue dress, that was irrefutable evidence. And that's when people said, holy God, all right? That's that's the tipping point I'm looking for here. You know, I think what Elon Musk is doing 
in terms of dumping mm -hmm. the emails. I think it's terrific and God bless them for it. I wish we would have more people that would step up on the inside. Marion Gruber, I wish she'd, you know, I, I wish she'd give me an interview um, because she was at the FDA and her, and her name's all over a lot of documents. But then Phil Kraus is there. He left the FDA. Those people that, that left, I, I really would wish that they would speak out even more so because there are more people that know about what has been going on. Then, and they're terrified. And I understand that. But at, at some point, people, ha I'm still waiting for that tipping point moment mm -hmm. because I think that yeah. when that happens, then the, the house of cards is going to fall. Yeah, to be clear, I, I also agree that we're, we're not there yet. Um, I'm, my point is that we've come, we've made leaps and bounds forward as a result, I, I think, of the responses, the government responses to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, we were kind of, I feel, struggling to get our message out pre-pandemic. Although we, I was also optimistic, optimistic pre-pandemic that we were kind of slowly making progress. But I think, um, you know, there's been kind of such an extraordinary uh, awakening now as a result, you know, where, uh, you know, as another example, just the, the, the censorship, again, censorship was going on pre-pandemic. I was writing about it, talking about it, was a victim mm -hmm. of it. Um, and, and yet, you know, it was like, if you talked about that, you just like, you were kind of some kind of conspiracy theorist, right? Again. Oh, now, now that now they can't, they can't deny it. But now it's just completely undeniable. And, and now, so that is a topic of discussion in the mainstream discourse. It was mm -hmm. never a topic of discussion before. Right. You know, like natural herd immunity versus vaccine induced immunity was never a topic of discussion in the mainstream discourse before. It was just non-existent. So there's a lot of things that you like that people are aware of now that there's discussions about them in the mainstream media now that before it was just like complete media blackout. It was just never even discussed. Um, and so that's that's what I mean in terms of like there's just a greater awareness now. So you don't you don't even have to turn to the alternative media now to get information about some of these topics. There's an awareness of it you know, even from the, the major media corporations because they have to address it. It's gotten it's gotten to the point where it's like they they just it has to be addressed in one manner, even if it's to try to spin things well, and make it seem benign. But it, there's an awareness of it and an acknowledgement of, of it. Yeah, but I, I'm old enough to tell you that the, the, there there was always reporting about vaccinations before this error. OK, there people people talked about it. Phil Donahue, when he was on the air, would, would have panels of people who were pro-vax or wanted to talk about the vax injuries. Mike Wallace at 60 Minutes. I mean, I, I'm pretty horrified to think that 60 Minutes has not done a vax injured show. I'm, I'm, I'm horrified by that because I would have expected that, except for there's a reason why they're not doing it, because somebody's telling them don't do this. Because if you if you show the evidence of vax injured, you create a space of vax hesitancy. You push the FDA to have to acknowledge the neurological and the vascular injuries officially, like they have done the cardio. So right. they don't want the evidence out there. They want to keep everybody stupid ignorant but you know at some point in time the dam's going to break on this jeremy how do people get in, in touch with you and follow your your um reporting head to jeremyrhammond.com my website and just sign up for my newsletter uh, it would be the best way to kind of keep updated with my work and, and stay in touch uh, and of course once you're on my newsletter at the, the foot of all my newsletters you'll find all the links to all my various social media profiles um so certainly also follow me on any social media you're also on um, and which ones, if, are you, which ones are you on, Jeremy? Tell oh, me I'm on all kinds. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, still. I'm sorry, not LinkedIn. I got banned from LinkedIn, but Facebook and Twitter. I uh, managed mm -hmm. to survive so far. 
um, and also MeWe, Gab, Parler, Getter. Uh, there's, a, there's a variety of other uh, non-censoring alternatives that I'm also um, active on. Um, so jeremyrhammond.com uh, and sign up for my nailing li mailing list. You'll also get uh, access to a download link for a free ebook when you do that, which is uh, the FDA COVID-19 um, vaccines and scientific fraud, which explains um, how the FDA um, resorted to outright scientific, brazen scientific fraud in the authorization of uh, Pfizer's um, COVID-19 vaccine for infants and toddlers. Um, so which gets into details about original antigenic sin. Uh, you, you know, this was before the, the bivalent booster. Um, but at the time, the, the bivalent booster was under discussion, and I get into discussions about that uh, and, and accurately predicted that the bivalent booster would not live up to the promise, that it would not, as the FDA advertised, that it was going to update your immune system to be specific to Omicron. It doesn't do that because of original antigenic sin, as I predicted in that ebook. Um, so you'll get that for free uh, when you sign up for my newsletter at jeremyrhammond.com. Jeremy, good to see you. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate everything you're doing in terms of your reporting because you really do go deep down into the weeds of this, which is very important for people. So appreciate very much your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice talking to you again.